Before we get into the Scoutzilla Media Show, we got to tell you about the people that make this show possible. The great partners, the people that we hope that you can support, like our friends over at Mohawk Honda in Glenville, New York. At Mohawk Honda, the team can find what you're looking for. They will search the lot for you. They'll even search the entire eastern seaboard just for you. The real opportunity for you is right now for either trading in or selling your vehicle. They buy cars. And in some cases, you might be able to sell it for more than you even paid for it originally. The supply chain is facing challenges, which creates that selling opportunity for you right now. And the place to do it is at Mohawk Honda. As always, the team at Mohawk Honda will bite that bar buying experience great for you. You know them. Our guy Cam McKenna. Shout out to Travis Landry, the VIP man, Luis Morales. Drive with Deanna. All those guys. Of course, the GM, Greg Johnson. Love him, man. He's been all over the place this summer season. Checking out the Masters, hanging out with Wayne Gretzky and more. We love the crew at Mohawk Honda. Also, big shout out to Nick and Nate. Always doing great things on social media. Our guy, John, in service. My dad actually just had his vehicle fixed. Thanks to John. All those great people doing wonderful things in Mohawk Honda. Look, we know the team. It's people that you can trust during the car buying experience. Head over there today. Glenville, New York. Mohawk Honda. Where they always go out of their way to please you they want to buy your car and our new friends over at seatgeek.com that's right seatgeek s-e-a-t-g-e-e-k that's seatgeek.com now if this summer you're heading to a show at SPAC maybe to the new arena in the Carrington what's that the JMA wireless dome wherever it might be maybe an MVP arena how about this deal we're offering this summer if you buy a ticket through SeatGeek and it's over $50, you get $20 off your ticket just by using the promo code GAZ. That's right, G-O-Z. If you're looking for tickets this summer, you want to watch your favorite band play, you want to watch your favorite team play, the place to buy your tickets is SeatGeek. And the promo code GAZ saves you $20 on your purchase. Simple and easy as that. Head to SeatGeek.com. Make your purchase for your tickets, and if it's an order, over $50, $20 off, just like that. Where it says promo code, just type in G-O-Z. Promo code GAZ, G-O-Z, this summer, thanks to SeatGeek.com. Now, let's get into this week's episode of GAZ on the go. All the sports talk you need from the week in less than 40 minutes. A Lens lead off with the NBA Finals talk. So I was all excited to come on here and like have a really good storyline, a really big, juicy thing that happened between a player, a coach, a fan, something really good on a Thursday morning to get your day started. That didn't happen. A late, late guys in the go. I'm rubbing the eyes. Got the old eye boogers going. People call it eye boogers or sleep or what? Doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, Celtics were just flat out better in Golden State that entire game. The third quarter came back. Steph Curry tried to do his best to have the comeback, but it wasn't enough. And I know he gets banked up in the fourth. The game was about Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford is still playing like somebody who's not Al Horford in the last 16 years. Marcus Smart, both offensively and defensively, is showing off more so defensively why he's the best defender in the league. So I would argue that, but it's defensive player of the year. Marcus Smart and Boston has been more physical than Golden State. And I haven't wanted that to be the talk of this game. That's, that's the frustrating part here after game three. I don't want to go back to the physical play talk. J.J. Redick again goes viral this week talking about physical play with Stephen A. Smith and the 
first take crew. The get up crew is breaking it down. Why people glorify 80s and 90s basketball, how it hurts the product now, which that point is not wrong. But the point from game three was that Boston was more physical than Golden State. Boston smacked around Golden State, not physically, but on the offensive boards and the defensive boards, just boards in general. You got a double-digit plus difference between Boston and Golden State when it came to rebounding. There are times, especially in that first half, where Golden State felt like a finesse team. Oh, we're just going to shoot it. We run back on defense. Oh, we miss. Ooh, I don't. I don't want that. I don't want the rebound. Get down there and dirty. Ooh, I like hanging out behind the three-point line. I was convinced, like I have been every time Golden State's been in NBA Finals, that Golden State was going to smack Boston tonight. And adding the storyline of how the Golden State Warriors requested the rims get changed, they noticed that something seemed to be off about the rims and warm-ups. And sure enough, according to reports, the rims stood 10 feet 2 inches, which to us... Might not be that big of a deal, but when you have one of the great shooting teams of all time, how quickly they noticed that. So now we swing around the series to game four. What happens? Is it still Golden State series to win? Is it Boston? Do they have control? Well, they have the lead, so we can say that Boston has control. And how do they continue to do it? Physical play, outstanding efforts by Tatum and Brown and Smart and Horford and everybody else. I mean, that's too easy. That's too cliche. Give me something else, guys. Give me something here on guys on the go that's going to make a difference in this series. Something. That's the answer. I wish I could find a long shot off the board for you to throw into a trifecta. Andrew Champagne would like that reference here after most recent getting there with guys. I wish I could tell you that there was a player or some play that stood out that I feel like that's the impact that people aren't giving enough credit for. It hasn't happened. It's not going on. I hope we get a game seven. But that's the answer. As much as I don't want it to be, it's physical play, it's rebounding, it's the superstars that have been able to be the serious talk of this Celtics-Warriors rivalry. I'll call it rivalry, yeah. This NBA Finals. Maybe. The next time you and I talk about one of the biggest games of the season, we'll have something fresh, new, and interesting to have as the big storyline of the game. The Colorado Avalanche now in the Stanley Cup final. One of the best playoff games I get to watch from start to finish in a long time. So let me add that caveat there, the start to finish. Because what's happened more recently, life changes for you, right? You get the baby, you got a family, times are different. For us, the taping's different. Interview. Okay, so to actually sit down and go wire to wire, not pulling up the DVR, not pulling up the ESPN Plus on demand, which, by the way, great invention. Thank you for fathers who do this for a living. To actually sit down and watch a game from start to finish. It's been a long time and one consecutive watching. My sister-in-law, my brother-in-law are big, huge Colorado Avalanche fans. So we went out here locally in Schenectady to watch the game. Yes, we found a bar in Schenectady that had Avalanche and Oilers on and had a great time back and forth scoring and more it's everything you want in a hockey game to get people who are super into the team casual fans as random people at the bar every especially sports wagers as well into that game overtime victory for colorado to punch their ticket to the stanley cup mckinnon hey everybody man awesome team for the colorado avalanche now we flip it back to new york and tampa who is going to be the team that plays against colorado in the stanley cup i was hoping game four would be more new york talk that game four was going to be all about the Rangers pulling up three games to one and getting one away from the cup. 
Tampa Bay outplayed him. Tampa Bay smacked him around a little bit. That was a quick game. Sean McDonough on the call on the ESPN side. You just heard him rolling with Tampa the whole way through. And it's not because McDonough in any way is a lightning fan. It's just that McDonough, the way he calls a game. I had a little McDonough right there. McDonough, the way he calls a game. I felt too much like the rock. Uh, Sean McDonough, you'll know the voice, right? Jason Benetti sounds a lot like him too. Tampa controlled the entire puck. Tampa controlled the entire crowd. Tampa controlled the fights. You get the picture here. So how does New York beat the reigning, defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning? It goes back to goalie play. How good can the Rangers, how hot can the Rangers stay in net? Can Aaron make a big enough play for New York? Can he be the best player on the ice consistently for the rest of the season to make it happen? Let's do some home ice advantage. Let's talk about the impact of the Garden. I'd like that even though if this goes Game 7, Justin Bieber scheduled for the same day at Madison Square Garden. You can either blame the fans of New York and James Dolan for not having enough faith in New York, or uh, you can blame Justin Bieber, or maybe either one. Maybe like, yeah, we would have taken the Beavs over this anyways. Uh, yeah, New York, I get better goalie play. And find their superstar. It's been the knock. The criticism is as great as the NHL playoffs have been. The knock has been can the superstars put them over the top. And even though Connor McDavid's now been knocked out. New York's got a chance to change all that chatter. New York's got a chance to be in the Stanley Cup. And play the best team in the NHL. That's what has to happen now. Goalie play. And see if the best player can set up. And let's see that garden crowd rally around a New York team. And see a team from the city get an opportunity in the finals to bring a championship to the Big Apple. If you remember my show way back in Syracuse in the mid-2000s, I had a beef, an issue with the love affair that was always around John Thompson III, the head coach for the Georgetown Hoyas at the time. Now, it's funny for somebody to hear that way in which I set that up, that a Syracuse sports talk radio host in the morning had a love affair with John Thompson III. No, no, no. It's that I looked at Georgetown and said, why is this guy not getting criticized more? The program's got far worse under him. They're not any good anymore. How is he not facing pressure? The easy answer, of course, is that his father is John Thompson Jr., a legend in the city, a legend for the school. And that's the reason why his son was going to have more of an opportunity to succeed than anybody else who would have had that opportunity. We'll do it one more time. And he stunk. And he finally got fired. And Georgetown fans saw it quicker than everybody else, and especially fans like Syracuse fans, like myself, who see it all the time that it's time to go. All right, why do I bring up John Thompson III? Because the most overrated coach, manager, in sports in the last 15 to 20 years is not John Thompson III. It is Joe Madden, who was recently let go as the head coach, the manager of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the LA Angels, the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. Can we just sit on a name there, please? Go back to the California Angels if you want. The Angels manager, Joe Madden. So why is he the most overrated coach, manager in sports? Because a few things. One, the hype, the attitude around him is different than any other coaches who don't succeed. We had our guy Steven on Twitter who wrote this in about Joe Madden and said, no, 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 the most overrated coach is Mike McCarthy from the Packers. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers is really the reason why, and look what McCarthy has done in Dallas. Okay, I get Steven's point about McCarthy, but people think Mike McCarthy stinks. 
that expectation of McCarthy has changed because it's now a more popular opinion to think Mike McCarthy is not good. The difference between him and Joe Madden in baseball is that people perceive Joe Madden to be the smartest guy who's ever been in a dugout, that he was going to change the game, the style of glasses he wore, the way he handled the lineup, the way in which a franchise that had never won before started to win. Why? Well, that's because Joe Madden's the head coach. Joe Madden's the manager. Joe Madden's got the baseball mind that nobody else has. But go back and look at the numbers of Joe Madden. He has a 53% winning percentage. Not 60, not 70. 53 games. That's the amount of victories he's had as a manager of a major league baseball team. Not individually with the Rays or the Angels or the Cubs. Joe had 53%. So let's sit on the Rays for a second here, okay? He gets the Rays all the way to the World Series. Some would argue that the reason why he was there, the reason that franchise changed forever was the brilliance of Joe Madden. Isn't that undercut at this point? Isn't that viewed differently? Wow, Joe Madden changed baseball. What an incredible thing he did for the Rays. Well, Kevin Cash just did it. Kevin Cash in, what, 2021? Yeah, last season? Uh, we'll get COVID in there. 2020 gets the Rays all the way to the World Series in that COVID-shortened year. 2021 is the Astros and the Braves, and the Rays get there in 2020. So Kevin Cash did the same thing, and if we're going to give the love for Joe Madden about how great he is and how he revolutionized baseball, and he's so smart. Kevin Cash did the same thing. It's not as if all of a sudden overnight Tampa started spending more money. So, okay, you want to give a pass to that? Say, guys, it happens all the time that a team can get to a championship series in less than 10 years, a little bit more than 10 years. Joe Madden still deserves credit for what he did in the late 2000 decade. Okay. If you're a Madden fan, I'll give you that. Well, let's flip it over to the Cubs. They break the curse in 2016, 108 years. They finally win. Joe Madden's the manager. Great. Game seven, they take down the then-notice Cleveland Indians. Amazing stuff. Well, go back and look at that Chicago Cub team. Not only was that team the best team in baseball that year, talent-wise, especially with young players emerging in the lineup, you can make a strong case that defensively, that's one of the best defensive teams the last 20 years. So you've got the team that's on the rise, Arguably the best defensive team, a team that went all in to win a World Series. They gave up their top prospects to get a pitcher, a closer in our role as Chapman. An irrational trade when you think about it six years later of what the hell are you guys doing? Why are you giving up your top prospects to get a closer that's going to pitch two to three innings when you're going to need some of these prospects for the future? Well, the Cubs said it didn't matter. They go all in. They win the championship, and the rest is history. Problem is, that Cubs team from 2016, talent-wise, production-wise, everything else-wise, was less talented than the 2017 Cubs and the 2018 Cubs and the 2019 Cubs. Think about that. That the Cubs team that actually won the World Series was not the best Cubs team that Joe Madden had. Why? Because the players got older better you added more pieces the nl central is more vulnerable to tank so as good as the cubs were the best in 2016 joe madden was poised to win multiple world series for the chicago team joe madden was in a position where chicago finished tied for the best record in the national league and really didn't get to play 
in the playoffs because they choked it in the tiebreaker rounds in the National League playoff later that 10-year he had for Chicago. So we can't talk about the Cubs. Well, you broke the curse, so that's it. Okay. Well, if that's it, he wouldn't got fired as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. That's what happened. Stepped aside. He got fired. He got the statue. He got the boot out the door. So Joe Madden is allegedly the greatest baseball mind ever. Wins in Tampa, and somebody else does it. Disappoints in Chicago, although he wins a World Series. What's the best way you describe Madden's tenure? Historic? Legendary? Well, if you like him. Disappointing? If you don't have the backstory line of them not winning more World Series championships over 100 years. And then you get to the Angels. So the Angels of all the franchises of the most recent years continued to put on the talent. And they wanted to win badly. They gave the monster contract to Albert Pujols. They gave the monster contract to Josh Hamilton. They brought in the big name. They've got Mike Trout. They brought in Shohei Otani. So they've got all these big bats, these big names, young pitchers and more. Noah Syndergaard, Thor's out there now. And sure enough, back in April and May, we did it right here on this podcast. That it seemed like it was different now. And I paused him for that last 90 seconds of that conversation with the Angels and said, let's see. Let's see if they actually can do it. I won't trust the Angels until it matters the most and it's playoff time and if they're going to finish the season off. And Fart noise. They lose 12 in a row and Madden's out. So you just heard about five to six minutes on me going off of Madden. Why is he a good manager? Like, I'm at the point now that I need to hear reasons as to why you think he's good rather than overrated. Why? Because the media told us? Because he wears cool glasses? I'll do that one again. Because you just know his name, and sometimes the baseball managers have become forgotten names in the sport. We all perceived him to be the smartest. And now when you actually just break down the numbers and the stats and where the franchises were post-Madden, nah. He is the most overhyped, overrated coach in all of professional sports of the last 20 years. What an interesting week it's been with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the former Buffalo Bill quarterback, the former New York Jet quarterback, retiring from the NFL, decade plus in the league, 800 teammates as the post showed us, and continued success throughout that time, the Ivy League product from Harvard. And I tossed this question out to Giants fans, and we could do the legacy of Ryan Fitzpatrick, whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, where he stands in the quarterbacks the last 10 years. Like, those are all really good conversations to have. But I'm more fascinated by this for a New York football fan and maybe even a fan of the team that you root for. Maybe you enjoy this conversation as much as Giants fans should. And that's, isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick now, right now, 2022, better than Daniel Jones? And if that's the case, why is he the starter? Maybe a Giant fan looks at that a little bit differently than I do. And they say, okay, well, guys, how much really is the difference of the quarterback this year? You got Daniel Jones in a contract year. You didn't pick up his option. See what he can do, play, and then see how many more wins the Giants can get. Uh, okay. Like, that starts to fall apart a little bit when you break it down from Giant fan. Because you could say, well, let's see how Daniel Jones does. See if he earns a contract. Do you want that? Do you honestly want that? It's weird to say, do you want your quarterback to play well on a team? But if Daniel Jones plays well, okay, so he cashed out at the right time, you think that's the future of the Giants? The Giants could be one of the worst teams in the NFL this season from defense and skill guys and more. You don't want to fall for that trap. 
What does the NFC East look like? Is Dallas the top dog? Well, Dallas, you know the answer, Giants fans. They fall apart in January, which is what it is. I love Philadelphia this season. I think Philadelphia is a legit chance to win the Super Bowl. They lost to Tampa last season, but they are a better team now, the Eagles. So the Eagles are your competition. Then you got the Commanders, who some would argue is a sleeper for the Super Bowl. Others would say, look at the quarterback position. So where do the Giants fall in that category? Are they just guaranteed to be last? I like Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there and be the best player for Daniel Jones. If you want to actually win more football games and you're less concerned about 2023, then you are about putting the best team on the field in 2022. And I say that because as a Tampa fan, I watched Ryan Fitzpatrick become really good. And Jets fans, you watch Ryan Fitzpatrick get within one victory of leading the Jets to a playoff team. And statistically, those offenses with Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall and Robbie Anderson and all those squads, they had chances. They were good. A Jet fan, hopefully I didn't get my wide receivers confused with you guys because Ryan Fitzpatrick has been on so many teams in so many different spots and thrown at so many different guys. I know those guys were productive with the Jets. And that week 17 loss cost the Jets that playoff squad. Look, we can do the whole thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was good in Buffalo. He loved the Bills Mafia. He went to that game most recently with the shirt off and everything else. But besides the ends of these franchises not looking good, whether they be because of injury, contract, sitting on the bench because it's not good, whatever it is, the ends were never good for where Ryan Fitzpatrick then moved on to. You already know the end of New York. Hey, he's going to retire, be done, and you're going to find a new quarterback in 2023. As a Tampa fan, that could see it happen first. And whoa, there he is, Ryan Fitzpatrick doing his thing. Fitz magic. The Bills fans got it too. Yeah, stats-wise, more touchdowns, more starts, more experience. Advantage, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The only reason you'd say why Daniel Jones would play ahead of him is because you got to see what he is. Okay. I would have taken Ryan Fitzpatrick over Daniel Jones every start this season. You're going to see our rotating WWE and AEW logo in this conversation involving pro wrestling from the week. So AEW fan, don't get mad at me. WWE fan, don't get mad at me. We're going to rotate these logos on our visual side, which for some of you won't matter. Now, the reason I'm doing that rather than showing pictures of CM Punk or Cody Rhodes is that it's worth giving somebody else the clicks for it. Hell, it's worth going back and watching the matches on YouTube and everything else. Let's start with CM Punk. Let's do the CM Punk one first because chronologically that happened first this week where Punk, after this amazing match with Hangman Page, Dumbler, nothing. There's reports that he's going to talk about his future on that Friday episode of Rampage. There you go. Rampage on Friday's Dynamites on Wednesday. So Punk... And this is, I'm stumbling because that's the best way to describe what happened on Friday. Punk comes out and says that he's hurt. Okay. Hurt. Can no longer defend the AEW World Championship. So I want to say he says he makes it vacant or relinquishes it. Or there's going to be a tournament. And then Jericho hops on and says like, he is not giving it up, but there's going to be a tournament to decide a second champion. So that champion will eventually face Punk. But some of this tournament rules is that some of the guys have to face other guys. You get the point. I'm still confused as hell as what the AEW storyline is here with Punk. Because clearly, 
they do not want to take the title off of CM Punk. Clearly, this whole thing is Punk versus the next upcoming guy. This is supposed to be the rest of the summer. He's not supposed to get injured. And if he does get injured, uh, maybe not right after the pay-per-view. It was botched. It was fumbled. Wasn't good for AEW. Now, Chris Jericho owned it on social media and said, look, I misspoke. But I'm still confused as hell. I know my guy Greg, shout out to him. I know he's an AEW fan. He's going to text me after this and be like, guys, it's simple and easy as this. This is what happened. I'm looking at it from the 24 hours that matter the most of people are going to say like, okay, so what's the scenario with Punk? So this happened, but didn't sound like that. That's more important. You got to make sure you get that part right. I'm sure the matches will be fine. I got to watch Mox and O'Reilly. Solid match. Involved in the stipulation. It's going to be somebody from New Japan Pro Wrestling who has the interim title. And they get to face Punk. That stuff is still exciting. But the initial fumble of that was not very good by AEW, even though the matches still are. All right, let's flip it over to the WWE. And speaking about AEW, a former WWE, then former AEW, now current WWE guy, Cody Rhodes, main event of Hell in the Cell against Seth Rollins. Go find the picture of the torn peck and what Cody does. Now, the rumors get out there before the match even starts that Cody Rhodes is injured. Cody Rhodes has torn his pack, and it goes from rumors to official reports in the WWE goes to social media and says, hey, here's what happened, but he's going to do the match. I was stunned when they said he was going to do the match. Cody Rhodes goes out there and slowly in the main event takes off his jacket and shows the bruising of the torn pack. And let me tell you, I have never off the top of my head, from a pre-match, can remember an injury looking like that the guy was going to compete. I've seen during the match, blood everywhere. And one of the injuries that jump out to me is that Stone Cold Steve Austin, Owen Hart, where Owen accidentally paralyzes Stone Cold. He's got to do that awful roll-up to win the match. But that's during the match because something had gone wrong. You knew going into this what the hell was going to happen. And I will admit, I was one of those fans watching at home that probably felt like a fan in Chicago that had the, the hush, the fear, the he needs to get out of the ring, he should not wrestle feeling. And I felt like that for most of the match. And I'm kicking myself a little bit about this because I felt like that person who hears a song for the first time and says, eh, I don't think I really like it. Second time you hear the song, eh, it's not as bad as I thought. Third time, you know what? This song's pretty good. Fourth time, you're getting this going. By the end of it, I'm going to be singing Olivia Rodrigo, Good For You. By myself in my car, but okay. That match is going to get better with time. That match is going to age like a fine wine where people are going to go back and look at it. Even though Cody Rhodes defeated one of the best in the WWE, Seth Rollins, basically with one arm. And it's weird to think about he beat one of the best with one arm. It's not so much about that simple big coded storyline of Cody defeats Seth. It's far more deeper than that. We're talking about the baby face react. Can you imagine being somebody who was younger, six, seven years old, and seeing Cody Rhodes win that match, beat the bad guy on one arm, not give up, even though he's hurt? Oh, to another level of popularity. Cody Rhodes, if you want to criticize him about his WWE debut, it was the older fans who were far more fans of him, at least vocally in the live shows, than it was the younger fans. That's going to change when he comes back. But now the younger fan is on his side. Now the younger fan knows why Cody Rhodes is cool. Six years is a long time. 
you can have a fan for the WWE from like when they're seven to eleven, and it was nothing about Cody. Seven to thirteen would have been better, Matt. There for the six-year window. But you get what I'm saying. That some fans need to be reintroduced and reunderstood of why it's cool to root for Cody Rhodes, and he got that moment. Like Becky Lynch having the blood running down her face when Nia Jax accidentally punches her. Like when Zack Ryder, the lower level here, got the woo-woo crowd going on the internet. When guys get themselves over, those moments stand out. That's what that match is going to be more about. I'm going to go back and rewatch it and understand that I'm watching a classic, a game-changing match in the career of Cody Rhodes in the overall projection of what he is in the WWE and whether or not he's going to wait until the Royal Rumble to come back and maybe win the Rumble this year. Hell, he might do it with a sling on and do it with one arm. That's what that Hell in the Cell main event meant for the future. Cody Rhodes becoming a bigger star than he's ever been in his career. We are getting close to that 40-minute mark, which rarely happens here in June, so I'm going to leave the Albany Empire, the one you're seeing on our visual sign here, up for this fight talk because it is officially fight week. Watch party 1-2.30 to at Hooters for the Albany Empire game, but you know Hooters is your home for UFC fights. We'll start with the UFC fight where you got some familiar names on the card at UFC 275. Clover Teixeira is on the card. My favorite name in the UFC Valentina Shevchenko, Joanna Jonjacek. You've got some names you've seen before. You've got some really talented people on this card. So if you know one of the names, that's a good enough reason to go check out UFC 275 at Hooters. You know the cards will be long as well, so check out those good fights. Feels like one of these opportunities with a lot of foreign fighters on the card. Few Americans, I know Steve Garcia is in that lightweight fight. I know the light heavyweight titles on the line in the main event should be a really good night of fights. Wait a second, we got three titles on the line in that one? No, just two. Flyway is that other title on the line. Valentina Shevchenko. So, a good UFC 275 card with fans being familiar with some fighters. And also, on Friday night, I'll be out at the Turning Stone Casino and Resort in Verona, New York to cover... The International Boxing Hall of Fame event brought to you by Showtime. This is the first fight I've covered in, boy, I want to say, this might be close to five years. I know out loud that sounds way too long, but we're looking at like the four or five year mark for me since post-COVID. I know a lot of changes happened with ESPN's fight coverage and top rank and and HBO getting out of the game. But here's why this fight card is going to be so good. Big knockouts. Big punches. It could be anybody. From when the show box starts at 9 o'clock to the undercard before then, it can be anybody stealing the show that night in front of not one, not two, but three Hall of Fame classes in Canastota, New York that's going to be inducted this weekend. So you've got 2020, 2021, and 2022 Boxing Hall of Famers likely all in attendance for one fight on a Friday night. That shows you what the boxers inside the ring want to do. I cannot wait for this one. It's been so long, and I cannot get enough of the boxing action. We're going to see at Turning Stone Casino Resort on Friday. So check me out on social media, at SomGaz, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. You can, it's a packed weekend for Gaz in the media. We've got a lot of podcasts that are getting to their summer editions. We've got fights on Friday, Empire on Saturday, UFC on Saturday night. It's a packed fight week. Who am I taking in some of these fights? You might have to wait till the weekend wagers, which are coming up in a little bit. 
But before we get to the weekend wagers, we got to tell you about the people that make this podcast possible. It's Lily and David Fine Jewelers. It is wedding season. It's officially here. You're looking to make that change, maybe from calling her your girlfriend to your fiance and soon enough your wife. How can you do it? Stop over to Lily and David Fine Jewelers. Route 50, the shops of Wilton. Say what's up to Alyssa. Say hello to David. Say hi to Jacob and everybody else inside the store that can help you. Don't forget there's a jeweler on site as well. If you've had some issues with some jewelry you may have bought in the past or you want to change anything that might be looking towards the future for you, Lily and David Fine Jewelers can help you find exactly that. I know from experience, you've heard my story now probably a bunch, whether it's here, whether it's getting there with Gaz, Levac and Gaz. That's the spot five years ago in July. My goodness, saying that out loud is crazy. That I bought my engagement ring for Lily and David Fine Jewelers. Credit to them. Five years later, they're still rolling with me because they know uh people like me need help and you listening might need help too or because it's been working out that this story continues to show people that even if you don't know much about jewelry lily and david fine jewelers can help you stop in this summer and upgrade engagement ring wedding bands and if you're just looking for a birthday gift or something cool to add to her style her fashion and more for big events upcoming this summer they can help you for prom to graduation and more you want to look good for your family you want to make sure you can get some cool things to show off get some compliments on can happen lily and david fine jewelers located at the shops of wilton you stop in tell me you heard about it from gaz and gaz's story right here on gaz on the go and our friend jared lozier from northeastern insurance the bills are starting to maybe pile up for some people here in june you're looking back thinking why are we spending so much money where did these where did these prices come from what happened that's okay we're not gonna judge you now it's time to find a way to save some cash. Jared Lozier will help you do it at Northeastern Insurance. One email, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Jared Lozier can help you find that insurance policy that might be far less expensive than what you're paying for right now. Whether that insurance policy is for your home, your car, your small business, whatever it might be, Jared Lozier can get you a price and he gives you that free quote. And we just mentioned Hooters a few minutes ago. I'm sure Jared will be there on Saturday. You grab him, you look for that guy with the big beard, the tall dude who's bald, and say, insurance guy, I know you, heard you on the podcast. How do I get some money, man? And I'm telling you, he will do it right there for you. He'll ask you, what are you paying right now? Who are you working with? He'll work you through it right there and get you a quote. He might do it on your phone for you. And all of a sudden, okay, I'll save some cash like this for the rest of the year. That's our guy, somebody you want on your corner when you're making or in your corner. Man, I just did a whole boxing and UFC thing, and I missed the in the corner thing. That's staying in. Jared Lozier, you want him in your corner for the big insurance policy savings. Now I'm stumbling through it. That's okay. Jared probably appreciates this more than anything. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance. Make sure to talk to him this weekend. Email, phone call, one more time for the number 518-956-3753. Hopefully that's not the first time you've heard it on this podcast. Definitely not the first time you've heard it on Godzilla Media. 518-956-3753. 3753. Jared Lowe's here from Northeastern Insurance. All right, let's get in some picks. Let's talk about some weekend wagers here. I've been so 50 50 with my baseball picks. I'm going to go back and add up the record. I already know it's going to be like just three losses, three wins, four losses, four wins. So, one play I'm doing for Friday when I'm at Turning Stone, uh, I'm taking my Orioles on money line against the Royals. I know the Royals got a home game on that one, and Kansas City baseball fans are fantastic. There's rumors already they're already stuffing the ballot box for the All Star game. I like Zimmerman, though. He's a good pitcher for Baltimore. This could be one of his really good games where he just dominates Kansas City's lineup. 
I like the O's money line, and I rarely get to talk about the Orioles on this podcast. So give me a Friday night victory for my Baltimore Orioles. Let's talk about the Belmont running this Saturday. Eight horses in the field. I keep going back to the same three horses. And how many times? I know the answer. I have to ask myself, how many times have I picked a second place horse so far this horse race season? Four. I've got one win on the board, but I've got four second place finishes. I feel like I should just do a place bet just in case I miss. I got one five and six down. and I cannot find another horse I like. Let's talk about We the People. Uh, we the People ran in the Arkansas Derby. It was completely no factor. Wasn't the horse that stood out. Wasn't an American Pharaoh-like performance. But We the People came back after that race and won by 10-plus lengths in May. We the People is going to get out in front, and this is going to be like Pharaoh and Justified. I know that's probably too strong of a comparison, but I'm talking more about the style of the race that We the People is going to run so far in front, it's going to be up to the jockey to decide how far in front that horse wants to get. Is he going to get like a few lengths in front? Is he going to like pull him back? We the people is going to take off and could go wire to wire. So I just have to have that horse in there. Uh, Creative Minister of the Five, you know, I love that horse in the Kentucky Derby. Really good horse. If I have to put money on a horse to win that I feel the most confident in winning, it would be five. Creative Minister, love the style of the horse. Uh, breaks really well. All that stuff, man. I could watch Creative Minister all day. And he made me look smart for the Kentucky Derby. He was right there. And Mo Dangle, if they don't get the one horse, uh, in the Kentucky Derby, the draw, and I, I said the thing because so many people loved that horse in the Derby. Just the one draw was not right. It didn't work. Now you get the middle of the field, can make a move, have a little bit more space, which is weird to say in the Belmont. Usually it's a bigger field. Derby is obviously the biggest field. So give me one, five, six. I would do a trifecta bet with those horses. I would hammer a three horse exacta with those as well. I like Creative Minister on top, so I'll fool around a little bit with some 5-1-6, 5-6-1. Those are my plays. 1-5-6 combination of trifecta box and three horses in the exacta and put Creative Minister the 5 on top. All right, there we go. A long version here of Gaz on the Go. We almost hit the 40-minute mark. I just closed it up right before we did it. Busy week for Godzilla Media. I say I'm going to close it up. I want one more plug. Godzilla Media out Friday at Turning Stone Casino. Saturday at Hooters. Check out all the other Godzilla Media podcasts this week. Some new edition episodes of the summer on the way. And by the way, this will be the first time we do it. We've got some exciting news on the way about the future of Godzilla Media and what you can expect over the next few weeks. That is for social media. And that's a little Gaz and the Go exclusive coming soon. Trust me. It's really cool. It's really exciting. We appreciate you always listening to this as well. And hopefully it's a big thank you to you listening. All right. We'll talk again next week. Leave you on that tease. Let's hit some winners this week. Talk to you soon.